All right, so before we get into our Bible study, we wanted to uh, kind of report the, the work that the Lord is doing out in Cambodia. We have a bunch of pictures to show you. I know that you're going to be blessed by them. And um, why don't we go ahead and we'll get started. Can we show the first picture, Shelly? That right there is the morning devotional. Every morning the whole team gets together uh, on the third floor of where they're staying, and they uh, get into a devotional. They spend time in prayer. And I think the way they're doing it this year is they're kind of dividing by groups the mission that they're going on. If you could show the next picture. Uh, I had to show this picture, okay? And, I, and I, he's a brother of mine, right? So he's going to forgive me. But last year we had this joke with Robert because Robert is one of those people where he is an encourager. He's a Barnabas. I call him Barnabas. And we were talking about, you know what, when you get there, there's a time difference. You're going to be tired. You're going to be jet lagged. Be careful. Try not to go to sleep. This and that. And he was saying, don't worry about it, brothers. The Holy Spirit is going to take care of it all. And every time we would look, Robert would be asleep. And so, yes, it never fails. He fell asleep, but I love him. And you know what? What that is, is that's just being spent for the Lord. And when you're spent for the Lord, you're sweet as sleep. And so you can tell. He's even kind of smiling in that picture. Let's show the next one. Gabriel. Brother Gabriel is teaching through a study. He, he, uh, they take turns in teaching, and that happened to be uh, Gabriel's teaching. I think we have two pictures of Gabriel teaching there. As you can see, it's funny because he's laughing, and then you see the corner of Rich and Manny over there in that corner. I know you can't really see them, but they're cracking up. So whatever he said made them laugh. But it's a blessing. They're going through the book of Titus, and they're each taking turns teaching. And it was cool to see Brother Gabriel teach. Continue to keep him in prayer. For those of you that do not know, he scraped his leg, and it got pretty badly infected. But it seems to be doing better now, so keep praying for him. Let's show the next picture, show. That's Pastor Manny and, and the two boys. Like I said, part of the team went to, to uh, go in and build a, a covering for the children, and another part of the team went to another village. And so Manny and, and some of the team went to this village. And I was really, I don't know about you guys, but I was super blessed by this picture because look at the, the, the laughter on his face. It almost just reminds, there's like a glow to it. I don't know if it's just me or, there's like a, like a, like a childlike laughter to, to him. And it's just so cool because you can just see he's being so blessed. He is being so blessed. And I'm going to write, I'm going to read a letter, an email that he sent all of you where he tells you just that, that he's being blessed. Let's show the other picture. That's him in that same village. Um, you know, he, he was mentioning that he's just blown away by these little kids, you know. There's so much poverty. There's so much want. There's so much suffering, yet they're so happy. And it's, it's something that we should learn from. Let's show the next one. That's Pastor Manny and a little boy named Diamond that lives. He doesn't live in the house, but he pretty much lives there. He goes to that house where they're staying at, and he has a form of, of a disease where his skin is kind of falling off. It's like a form of leprosy. And this little kid is, man, he's such a blessing. He dances. He's happy. He's another kind of a, a example to us that even in, in our sufferings, man, there's, there's still joy in the Lord. And so that's Pastor Manny and Diamond. This is uh, Randy, Mark Barrio, and Eva Barrio's son. He's in the back of the truck. Back there, it's all, back in Kimberley, you can do all those things, man. You see buses, and there's like 500 people on a bus. 300 of them on top of the bus. So it's, that's nothing, okay? There's no child endangerment there. Let's move on to the next one. These are the little kids, and I thought I'd share this picture. I showed it to the guys last night because of the men's study. Um, Brother Ray, Ray Navarro, comes to the studies, and he always brings us these paletas. If you guys don't know what paletas are, don't worry about it. They're suckers. They're lollipops. Anyways, these paletas are um, straight out of Mexico. 
Um, they're called Coronado Paletón de Quemada. And so I just thought it was cool that straight out of Mexico all the way to Cambodia, you know. And you can see these little kids are just blessed by them. They're good. I'll give one of these to one of you if you want it so you can taste it. But if you notice, a lot of these little kids have blonde hair. And that happens from malnutrition. They don't eat enough, and so their, their, their hair dye or however you call it becomes blonde. And so that doesn't happen because, oh, there's blonde little boys in Cambodia, and all that happens because of, of malnutrition. They also get big stomachs, uh, not because they eat a lot, but because they have a lot of air. So a lot, a lot of poverty, but they're being blessed. Let's show the next picture. Okay, now this is that second group, Robert and, and a group, Ridge and, and Pastor Hong, Randy. They went to Preving, which is one of the poorest villages in Cambodia, and uh, we were blessed to be able to be a part of adding and building onto a church over there. But the thing was, there was a hundred kids that got together, apart from the adults, and they would meet out in the open. So they had to deal with the rain, and they had to deal with the sun. And it ain't rain, it ain't sun like we're, we're, we're used to dealing over here. And so the little kids had to deal with that. But this time, if we can show the next picture, they're mixing cement and so forth. They did a covering for the little kids. Nothing extravagant, but just something that will keep them out of the sun and out of, uh, out of the rain. So it's a blessing to be able to do that. As you can see, they're putting up the bamboo sticks. There's Alazar and, and um, Isaiah. Um, there's Alazar again. They're putting up. They, they get the bamboo sticks right there. You know, all, Behind that is all rice patties. It's right next to Vietnam. So that's all you see is rice patties. There's Robert cutting some of the bamboo. He's not asleep, as you can see. And there they are after a long day, days of working. They're pretty much resting and eating with the locals there. And so that's an awesome picture to see them eating with the, with the locals. That right there is back at the house, the water of life. And, and before they do anything, they start their time in worship. And, man, worship is just their neighbors. You can, you're, you're walking up to that house, and you can hear it a block away. They're worshiping, you know. And so it's a blessing to be able to, to be a part of that worship. And now this here, they're getting into a Bible study. I believe we're going to see another picture where Brother Rich is, is teaching the study. There he is right there. And so every day they're taking turns. They're getting into studies. They're constantly in the Word. These little kids are in the Word three, four, five times a day. And so they're being blessed. You know, we're here for 30 minutes. We're like, man, preacher's going long. <laughs> and they're, they're all day long. You know, it's like Nehemiah and Ezra time, you know. There's Brother Manny giving a, a, a teaching. It's going to be pretty cool because in the next couple of pictures, you're going to see him even involved in a skit. How many of you knew that Brother, Brother Manny was an actor? <laughs> There's part of the skit. There you see Danny and, and Rin and Robert and Randy and Cynthia, Deborah. And there's that skit that I was telling you about. Look at how good of an actor Manny is. There's uh, uh, Abel and, and uh, Alazar, and as you can tell, that's a skit. So they're doing constant, they're doing things constantly for the kids. They just started VBS. That's part of what he's talking about here, and they were super blessed by it. There's Sister Paula and, and Katie after having the baby and, and little Samuel. And there's Brother Rich and, and little Samuel. And there's Gabriel. There's Manny and uh, uh, a brother named Rin from the Water of Life. Robert and Diamond again. And there's a video. What? Just mine. Just mine. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Cambodia. 
Cambodia. Is this your sister? Yes. What's her name? Savon. Oh, that's pretty. Have you ever heard of Jesus? Yes. Do you know who he is? Don't know. Do you know he loves you? Yes. Do you love him? Do you know he died for you on the cross? Yeah. He loves you. And he died for you on the cross. So you could have life. In that was cool. You know, here when you go up to somebody, said Brother Henry was telling me that he went up to a group of teenagers today and he started sharing Jesus with them and they didn't know who Jesus was. Which is kind of amazing to be in the United States and not know who Jesus is, at least about him. But over there they don't. They don't know Jesus. They've never heard his name. And so when you're talking to people, it's the first time they've ever heard his name. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're listening. They're willing to listen. They're willing to, to find out. They're excited about, you know, the gospel. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Keep praying for them. I'm going to read you. If you could turn on the light, Shelly. I'm going to read you the, the email that Manny sent, which was addressed to all of you. He says, things are going so good in Cambodia. Yesterday we had a, a VBS at Hope Orphanage, and in the evening we led the children's night. It was all a massive, tremendous blessing. We did a skit, and I had the privilege of sharing the word to an absolutely packed and overflowing house. He says there was a joy and attentiveness and awareness of the presence of the Spirit of God upon the entire evening. God really blessed us. Thank you for your prayers. We really need them. We really see the Lord answering them. God is touching so many hearts, and even the weather has been a blessing. Right now I'm riding this beautiful, I'm riding this with a beautiful breeze blowing strong upon me as I overlook the city of Phnom Penh. Today we will spend more time with the kids, continue construction on furniture, make tetherball courts, and meet with some missionaries to encourage them, which is always mutual. We will also be getting ready for the outreach tomorrow at Pray Bang. Please pray. I just found out that Bennett, Brother Bennett is sick. He said it's something that happens in the States as well. Um, and so we're getting him some antibiotics, but please keep praying for him. And then he said Brother Gabriel is also getting better. Thank God. And then he said, we're praying for you as well, the study tonight, especially that knucklehead Henry. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. And all the precious people, may our Lord bless you and keep you in his tender, loving care. Our God is really an awesome God. God bless you, Manny. And so your prayers are being felt. We want to keep um, showing you these pictures because it's a, it's a way of encouraging you, you know, to know that God is so big. And, and that way it will also remind you to keep um, our brothers and our sisters up in prayer. Um, as you think about it, as you think of Cambodia, Cambodia has just been mentioned so much around here. So they're being bathed in prayer, and, and the prayer is really, really taking an effect. They're, they're feeling it. Things are happening over there. And so please, please continue to pray. Okay? All right. So um, we're going to be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, please open it up. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and, and we'll, we'll get someone to get you a Bible. We'd like you to follow along with us. But it's Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16, four verses. Let me go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll pray, and, and then we'll, we'll get into the study for our time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you, God, again and again and again, Lord, for the work that you're doing, Lord, in us and through us, in this church, Lord, in your church. I thank you for just this report back, Lord, this uh, 
it's come almost like fresh air that we get back from Cambodia, Lord, of the things that you're doing over there and how our brothers and sisters are, are being blessed. We want to lift up those that are, are, are dealing with uh, physical issues, Lord. We pray for Dr. Bennett, Lord. We just pray that you would have your hand upon him and Gabriel, Lord. We pray for Cynthia, Father, as she's experiencing um, just sickness back home, Lord, that you would give her a calm and that peace, Lord, that only you can give that surpasses all understanding, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you, God, that we can open up your word and be encouraged by it, Lord. And I pray that your word would not return void, Lord, and that it would speak to us, Father, and that we would leave, Lord, a little bit different than we came in. And so, Lord, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we get started with Philippians, I want to just kind of give you a little bit of background about the letter to, to the Philippians. Paul's letter to the Philippians was a, a very personal and heartfelt letter. Uh, it was a letter written by Paul from prison, so it's known as one of the prison epistles. And the Philippian church had, had been one of Paul's most staunch supporters. Uh, even though being locked up or in prison, whatever you want to call it, even today kind of carries a, a, a social stigma to it. It carries a, a shame to it. It would have been very, very easy for the, the church in Philippi to kind of distance themselves from the Apostle Paul, but they didn't. They remained loyal to him. And so one of the purposes for writing this letter was to thank them. It was to thank them for their support. Not only did they support him while he was in prison, but they supported him while he was out doing missions. They sent Epaphroditus to him to minister to him. He was really, really thankful and encouraged by their gifts of love that they gave him. But it wasn't the only purpose for writing the letter. Paul loved the church of Philippi, um, and he wanted to encourage them in their walk. Now, if you read, and I'm sure most of you have read the, the letter to the Philippians, and if you haven't read it because it's a beautiful letter, it's a, it's a letter of encouragement, you come away knowing that the Philippian church, besides having some small issues, was a relatively healthy church. It was a, it was a thriving church. It was a loving church. It was a growing church. In Philippians 1, 9 through 11, Paul writes, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve of the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. The evidence that the Philippian church was thriving was that there was love. The evidence that the church of, of Philippi was thriving was that there was a hunger for knowledge, a knowledge for God's word. There was a desire for discernment. There was evidence of the fruit of the spirit going on. So, so Paul's letter, I want you to know from the get-go, wasn't in the same tone as his letters to the church in Galatia or to the church in Corinth. Those were more spanking letters, I would say. They were more corrective letters. Paul was ad addressing problems within the church. This letter was a letter of thank you, and a letter of exhortation, and a letter of wanting to encourage the church. And that, that's what I pray, that today we would be encouraged by what Paul writes through Philippians. Paul was blessed to see the church in Philippi grow. And that was the tone of his letter. It was a, it was a tone of joy. Joy is of such as a, a proud father, okay? A proud father that sees their children sincerely walking with the Lord. Those of us that are fathers, we know that verse, right? And, 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 and 3 John where it says that, that nothing brings us more happiness than to see our children walk in the truth. As a father, I can tell you, nothing would bring us more happiness than to see 
our children, my children, my boys, walking and knowing and sincerely loving God. And so Paul as a father, in, in essence, was blessed just with their growth. But as a father, he didn't want them to stand on that growth. He didn't want them to, to be satisfied with the blessings that were going around them. He wanted them to be hungry for more. And so that was his purpose also for writing them, to encourage them to keep going, not to be satisfied with the progress. C.H. Spurgeon wrote, the moment a man says, I have it, he will no longer try to obtain it. The moment he cries, it's enough, he will not labor after more. And so question, if by the grace of God, that church or this church is healthy, does that mean that it should kick up its feet and relax? The answer is absolutely not. Paul the Apostle says no. The the world is too dangerous. The, The devil is too cunning. The gospel is too glorious for the church to relax. And so as the church, we need to keep going forward, right? We need to keep maturing just like a grape matures on the vine. We're to to mature on the vine, which is Jesus Christ, so that hopefully one day we'll have that sweetness of Christ. And so we need to mature as Christians. And that's what the study is all about. What is a mature Christian? In our passage today, we see at least seven examples through a picture of Paul the Apostle's life of a mature Christian, of a mark of a mature Christian. We're going to be covering again Philippians 3, 12 through 16, only four verses. But before we read that, I want to point your attention to a previous verse, which is uh, Philippians 3.10, because it really, really shows us a picture in the heart of Paul the Apostle. F.B. Meyer calls it the soul's quest for the personal Christ. It says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That was Paul's heart, guys. Everything else he considered, pardon my my language, done. That's the the actual word he used. Everything he had ever amounted, everything he had ever worked for, he considered it a loss for Christ. His heart was sold out. His whole desire was to know Jesus. He wanted to know him. And as Christians, we all want to know him, right? We can say we know Christ, but we should always say we want to know him more. And that was Paul's heart. He wanted to know everything about Jesus Christ. He wanted to know his power, it says. He wanted to wrap his mind and his heart around the knowledge of the power of the resurrection, it says. Dunamis, which means power. That's where we get the word dynamite. He wanted to know that. He wanted to know the power that raised the Lord from the dead, which, by the way, we all have as believers, if you're a believer today, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted to know that, but he didn't stop there. He even wanted to know the fellowship of his suffering to the point of death. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I said, wow. You know, I'm fine with knowing you, Lord. I want to know you. And, Lord, I want to know your power. I want to know your power. But, Lord, the fellowship of your suffering, even to the point of death. Ouch. But that was Paul, guys. And, yes, sometimes we have to go through the road of suffering and even death in order to know him and to know his power. That was Paul's heart. That was what made him tick. That was his motivation for life, knowing him. And again, I would say that many of us in this room would say, I want to know him. We're here, right? We're here on a Thursday. A lot of people would think we were crazy. 
for a meeting on a Thursday and then going to church on Sunday. And then some of you guys come back on Sunday night. You guys are weird. So it's obvious that you want to know him. And I think most of you would say, I want to know the power behind God. I want to know the dunamis. I want to know the power of the resurrection. But how many of us here would say, and I also want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know that even to death. That was Paul the apostle. Paul did. And yet in our passage, he shows us the first mark of a mature Christian. So let's go ahead and we'll read it, Philippians 3.12 through 16, and then we'll kind of go back and and look at it verse by verse. But it says in Philippians 3.12, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this in mind. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Beautiful passage. Beautiful passage. Because the first thing that he shows us is a mark of a mature Christian is a humble self-appraisal of self. As Christians, we need to know who we are. We need to know that we're not perfect. We're not super Christians. Yes, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and with that, wow, we could move mountains. But who we are still, we struggle. Paul was honest. Paul the Apostle, okay, 30-something years into his walk with Christ, admits to not having attained or been perfected. 30 years. That's amazing. If you know Paul's life and what God did to him, to him, to have him say, I haven't attained anything, I haven't been perfected, is amazing. The Philip translation says, Yet, my brothers, I do not consider myself to have arrived spiritually, nor do I consider myself already perfect. In other words, Paul is saying, look, it's my heart to know Christ. I want to know him in all ways, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And that's got to be us, Christians. We have to have a good, honest, humble self-appraisal of self. Warren Worsby wrote in his commentary to the Philippians, a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. Someone who has a humble appraisal of self is someone who says, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Paul the Apostle calls himself what? He calls himself the chief of all sinners. In Romans 7.15, he says, For what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. He wasn't perfect. A mark of a mature Christian, and I'm not talking about a Christian here who uses these verses as an excuse to sin. I'm talking about the Christian who's burdened, who's convicted with sin, who sins and he cringes because he doesn't want to sin. That's what I'm talking about here. Someone who readily admits I'm still a work in progress. God is not finished with me yet, basically is what Paul is saying. Even though... I know that I won't always hit that mark. I won't always hit the bullseye. That is going to be my aim, the bullseye. And so that should be us as Christians. Our aim is the bullseye. We know that 
the percentage is going to be low, but every single time we aim, it's going to be for the bullseye. We're not perfect, right? We're not going to be sinless, but like our pastor says, we should sin less as we mature as Christians. But we also have to admit we're sinners. We were at a Bible study where I mentioned that we're sinners, and someone took umbrage with me for that. He says, what do you mean we're sinners? I was, I was saved by the blood of Christ. I knew what he meant, but I had to remind him of these passages. Hey, Paul says I'm the chief of sinners. Paul says the things that I don't want to do, that I find myself doing. The things that I want to do, I can't seem to do. Yes, we're saved by the blood of Christ, but we're still sinners, and we're going to be sinners until the day we die, to the day we go to heaven. But I love what Paul does here because the key word is already. I haven't already arrived, notice, or attained. I haven't already been perfected. Someone who's a healthy Christian, guys, knows that this, was, this is the upward call, perfection. And they won't stop until one day in heaven they arrive. And by the way, that's when we're going to arrive, when we're in heaven. But until heaven, we keep going until heaven. That should be the mark. And so that leads us to the next point. A mark of a mature Christian is someone that is never satisfied. Because look at the the second part of verse 12. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. William MacDonald said, Satisfaction is the grave of progress. Press on, Paul says. Now Paul the Apostle gives us a metaphor here of a runner stretching himself with veins popping out of his neck eyes bulging and stuff like that. Not a pretty picture, guys. It's not the most uh, <laughs> a, a picture that you would like to like have up on the album, that runner at the, at the finish line. Or those of you that lift weights, man, you know that last set where your veins are popping up and you're making these ridiculous faces. That's the face that Paul the Apostle is asking us to do. That's, that's the effort that he wants us to have, that race where we're stretching, we're pressing on. That's what he's called us to do. This metaphor given by Paul translates into the life of us Christians through a passionate and sold-out life for Christ, guys. You know, sometimes I'm here in, 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 the, uh, in the sanctuary while worship, and I see people sitting down. You know, I see people just kind of eh, going through the worship, and I'm thinking, how can you be passionate for Christ if you can't worship the God of all creation? You know, and so we need to be passionate. Do we have it? It's evident that Paul had it, right? We look at his life and he got it. He understood it. Leave your mark here in Philippians and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15.10. I want to show you something. While you're turning there, Paul had just finished saying that he was the least of the apostles. He had just finished saying how, how he persecuted the church. And how he didn't deserve to even be called the apostle, he said. Yet in 1 Corinthians 15.10, he says, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It's because of God, basically Paul is saying, that I am who I am. Yet Paul says, but the grace that he showed me, it wasn't in vain. The grace that God has showed us through salvation, is it in vain? Do we just take it and put it in our pocket and say, thank you, God? Or now do we say, wow, God, what is next? What did you want me to do, Father? That's what Paul the Apostle did, right? 
He says, God's grace was not in vain because I labored even more, but through the grace of God that allowed me to labor even more. He gave all the glory to God. I pressed forward in his will for me, he said. And back in Philippians, that's what Paul is saying. I press forward. I press on that I may lay hold. Or like the New Living Translation says, I take hold that which Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, even though I'm not close to the peak of my walk, I haven't revived, I haven't done anything yet. This is Paul the Apostle again, guys. Nevertheless, I press forward to understand God's will in my life. Listen, guys, as Christians, we're going to mess up. And there there are things that are going to happen in our lives that we just can't wrap our minds around. We're just not going to be able to understand. But whether that means we repent or we trust God and we move forward, we have to press on. And so that leads us to another mark, the mark of Christian maturity, forgetting the past. Because look what it says in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. As the apostle was contemplating, as he was thinking about not being perfected yet, about not arriving, about not attaining anything, I think he got a glimpse like, man, I haven't apprehended anything yet. I haven't apprehended it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. As the the Apostle Paul was contemplating his walk, man, he came to the conclusion, I haven't done anything yet. But one thing I do know is that I'm not going to get stuck in the past. And that's what he's saying here. I made mistakes, but then he says, but one thing I do is I put them behind me. A mark of a mature Christian, guys, is someone who does not let the past bog him down. He doesn't let the past hinder him from going forward. Have you ever known a person that is handicapped by their past? That is stuck, whether it's victory or defeat. You talk to him five years later, and he's like, you remember that guy I led to the Lord five years ago? Bro, that was the Lord. (laughs) That was five years ago, you know. Or a defeat that happened ten years ago, and they're still dealing with it. I'm not saying it's easy, but we've got to trust the Lord and we've got to get past it, guys. The past could hinder us if we focus too much on it. And I want to be clear that these things could be defeats or they can be victories. Well, what do you mean defeat or victories? Well, I mean that someone can spend so much time pondering past defeats or victories that they get stuck there like quicksand, can't move. I, I like the analogy that, that I heard Pastor Manny use and I call it the rear view mirror analogy. I'm not sure if you remember or if you've ever heard him say this. But basically what it is is if any of us were on the road driving and we spent the majority of the time looking in our rear view mirror, the chances of us crashing are going to be pretty high, right? The chances of us crashing are going to shoot up. If our insurance company knew that all we did was look in the rear view mirror, there goes our, our, our rates, right? Our rearview mirrors are there to help us get information that we use to help us keep going forward. Our rearview mirrors are there to help us assess the roads that we've traveled to help us make better decisions as we go forward. That's what our rearview mirrors are for, right? We were to take a a peek. That's it. Take a quick peek, back right here. Side mirrors, peek. Rearview mirror, peek. But most of your time is spent looking forward. We're supposed to glance at our rearview mirrors. That's it. Well, it's the same way from a spiritual perspective, guys. 
You're to glance at your spiritual rearview mirror and ask God on our mistakes, God, what can you teach me about my past mistakes? Lord, was I asking you? Was I listening for your directions? Lord, where did I miss your directions? Where did I go off the path? And then lastly, most importantly, Lord, I repent. What can I do better next time? That's what we do when we look at the rearview mirror, guys. We don't stay there. We ask, we get the information, and then we move on. And then even in our victories, which are always God's, right? They're not our victories. They're God's victories. We need to ask, Lord, where did you have me at that time? Lord, how were you leading me? Were you leading me in prayer? Was it something you were speaking to me through your word? What, what? I know that it's not me. This victory was you. Where did you have me? Lord, what can I do so that you could put me in a place where this could be repeated, where I could have these victories over and over and over again? So basically what we do when we look at the spiritual mirror is we look, we take a peek, we get the information, and then we, we keep looking forward. We keep moving forward. We don't get stuck there. Amen? All right. And so the mark of a mature Christian so far is a healthy assessment of, a, 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 of self, a humble self-assessment of self, not yet perfect, not yet attained. It's somebody that has forward momentum. They keep pressing on. Even when they fall, they fall to their knees. They pray, they get up, and they keep going. Number three, it's someone that is a good keeper of time, which is not only a good learner of the past, but also an even better forgetter of the past. We need to be able to forget, get the information that we need and forget and move on. Our mistakes, we learn and we let go. The victories, we learn and we hold on. But we don't stay there. And so the next mark we see is being in the now. Because look at the first part of verse 14. It says, I press towards the goal. It's someone that has a good perspective on the here and now, guys. In other words, someone who's in the present. What do you mean the present? What I mean is it means someone who's aggressively cooperating with those things that God has for them now, today. Not yesterday, not even tomorrow. Now. This could mean for some of us our family, the ministry of our family. This means for some of us serving in the ministry here. For some of us, it could mean the ministry of our career. As Christians, everything is a ministry, right? I mean, for instance, we're all giving gifts, right? Some of us are giving gifts, plural. Some of us are giving a gift. Have we discovered the gift? If so, have we developed the gift? And if so, have we deployed the gift? What are we doing in the now? What are we doing in the now? Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The now. Notice how Paul spoke in the now in that right there. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now. The now. It's living in the now. Having a good perspective of now gives us our, our sole purpose, singleness of purpose, it, it, it's what are we made for? It helps us think about those things. What are we made for? What is the gospel? How do we live in light of the gospel? How do we share the gospel with the world? It's living in the now. Living in the now also helps us persevere in this upward calling because that's what it is. It's an upward calling. Have you ever tried walking uphill? It's not easy. We have obstacles, right? We have the world, we have the flesh, we have the devil. We have to live in the now. We have to stay focused. But we also 
have to key in on our future. Because look again at verse 14. It says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I like what Pastor Poncho said one time. He says, we we got to be like geckos. You guys know what a gecko is? A gecko has the ability to look up here and look up here and then go like this and go like that and do all this stuff. He says, we have to be Christian geckos. We've got to be able to have one eye in heaven and one eye right here. That's what we have to be, Christian geckos. A lot of people say, well, you are too Christian-minded. You're too heavenly-minded to do anything good here. And that's the last thing from the truth because if you're heavenly-minded, you you're going to be doing things here. If you look at Philippians 3.20, it tells us just that. This is uh, Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have a heavenly perspective. And that's our next point, looking towards our future, being heavenly minded. A mark of a mature Christian is someone that is heavenly minded, God. For what? Our rewards? Because it says for the rewards, right? For the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. But not so much to get the rewards, but what we get to do with the rewards. You guys know what we get to do with our rewards, right? We get to cast them at the feet of Jesus one day. What's better than that? What's better than to say, Lord, thank you? Not that we could ever do anything for God, but it says that we were going to be able to cast our crowns at the feet of the Lamb. So that's why we should be heavenly minded. And not only that, most importantly, I think that we need to be heavenly minded because it's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, guys. This, this Christian walk is given to us by no other than God Almighty himself. It, it's serious business, man. We're not, he's not messing around. He's, it costs him the blood of his son. There was a price that was paid for our salvation. We need to be heavenly minded, heavenly minded looking for his return, heavenly minded doing the work that he's called us to do, redeeming the time. Because time is short. And since I've been here on staff at church, it is absolutely insane how, how fast time goes by. I don't even look at days anymore. I, I don't even look at weeks anymore. I'm looking at months. And I've gotten more, ask my wife, I've gotten more gray hair since I've been here than you could ever believe. Time just flies, guys. You know that, right? As you're getting older and you read that verse that, that, that life is but a vapor, doesn't it hit home? Don't you understand it? Don't you see? Wow, it is true. Back in the days, the kids just got out of of school. Man, a summer seemed like a lifetime, right? Or a school season seemed like a lifetime. But how fast is summer going now? Forget summer. How fast has this year gone by already? We're half of the year, guys. It's done. It's gone. We can't get it back. And so we need to redeem the time. We need to be heavenly-minded. I like what Warren Worsby said, and it's something that Manny uses a lot. He says, heaven is not just a destination, but heaven is a motivation. When we get to that destination, then we'll be like Jesus. And that's the upward call. That's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, is to be like Jesus. Everything else while we're here is just boot camp, guys. It's just boot camp. It's just practice. So the next mark we see as as mature Christians is patience and love towards others. I, I have a friend of mine who you know, that told me something that really, really impacted me. He says that he tries to be the hardest on himself when it comes to his walk while trying to show grace 
to others in their walk. And I thought, wow, that's an awesome place to be because if, if we're honest with each other, we're usually a lot easier on ourselves, right? And we're a lot harder on others. And so Paul says you need to be patient and you need to love each other because look what it says in verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Paul is saying, for those of you who get it, good, then do it. But for those of you who are still on their way to understand it, God will reveal it to you. Be patient. Be patient with them. Don't judge them. Help them. Take them under your wing. Stay teachable. And God will show you where you need to grow. You notice he's not talking down to them. He's saying, hold on, stay open. And in time, God will show you what he needs to show you. Be patient and show love towards others. That's what Paul wrote right in Philippians 1.6 when he says, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the good work, guys? Us? Oh, it's God. Who's going to finish it? Us? No, it's God. We've got to be confident in that. Patient, loving, especially with newer believers, especially with those that are just coming to the faith. Don't look down on them. Love them. Be patient with them. God, it's awesome with this verse because God calls us to maturity, but he never leaves us to do it by ourselves or else we wouldn't be able to. It's impossible. And so we close with Paul showing us the last mark of a mature Christian, and it's, that's being a uniter. I'm not sure if Aaron is here, but I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm just going to use it, a uniter. Not a divider, but a uniter. Because look at verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. We have to unite. And when we see a picture of brothers in Cambodia, man, it's got to melt our heart because they are part of us. When one of us is suffering, we all have to suffer. That's what what the call of God is. When one of us rejoices, we rejoice with them. We're together. We're a family. We're not to divide. We're to be uniters. Back in Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4, Paul writes, Fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's how we're to live. Uniters, guys. And so the, there it is. In, in just four verses, we see how Paul's life demonstrates so many marks of a mature Christian. That's what we're to follow. Paul says, follow me as I imitate the Lord. Imitate me. What we know of Paul the Apostle's life is that he's been on fire from the get-go, right? Every, ever since he fell off that horse, ever since he got knocked off that horse, he has been on fire. And his fire didn't dissipate. It, it actually grew. Well, some of us started on fire. Most of us started on fire. But that fire seems to be dwindling in some of us, and it doesn't have to be that way. We need to ask God to fill us again with the Holy Spirit. We need to fall in love again with who Jesus Christ is. And so Paul the Apostle gives us a picture of what it is to be a mature Christian. Honest and humble. 
an honest and humble self-assessment, still lacking, still needing. Paul said, I haven't arrived. I haven't been perfected. I haven't attained yet. Number two, one who presses forward. In spite of their limitations, they have forward momentum. Paul says, nevertheless, I press on. And then one that's a good timekeeper of the past, a good rememberer and a better forgetter of the past. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind me. Of the present, living in the present. Paul says, reaching for those things which are ahead. He says, I press towards the goal. And then also of the future, being heavenly minded for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Being loving and patient, knowing that God is in control, that God is the one that's going to finish the work that he started in us. Paul said, if if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And then lastly, is being a uniter, not a divider. Paul says, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And so I pray that this particular passage serves as as an encouragement for you. I know a lot of times, especially lately, and that's the beauty of going through the Bible, is you don't get to pick and choose what you teach. Pastor Manny has been teaching on some, on some things that are tough. We have to teach them because we need to know them. We better know them. Hell, sin, sanctification. We better know them. But once in a while, it's good to have a, a, a teaching where we're encouraged and we're exhorted. And that's what Paul the Apostle was doing. He was encouraging. He was exhorting the church to keep pressing on. And so that's my prayer for, for us today, that we keep pressing on that we let those things that are behind us go, that we learn from them, but out the window. We take a quick peek at that mirror, but only a quick peek. The rest of it is going forward. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you again, Lord, for your grace. Father, I I thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, you even speak through donkeys, Lord. There is no... um,